0: And just a great time to come back together and, and continue to make uh, the gathering uh, a priority in our lives And uh, it's so helpful when we can gather together and worship together and pray together uh, Learn from God's Word together and just in, in that we grow forward uh, with the Gospel So it's, it's amazing to have you here, I'm glad you're here um, as, we, as we meet today, we're going to be talking about stubbornness to hear And uh, kind of identifying the soils of our heart um, Stubbornness is a, is a big issue, would you agree? Yeah, how many how many of you would say you're stubborn, right? Right, and the ones that aren't raising their hands, they're even more stubborn, right? I, I get that, right? Yeah, we're stubborn. We, and some people aren't. I mean, there are people who are just like, hey, yeah, I'm here. Whatever you need, I'm. Just, hey, let's go with it. Uh, I used to be really, really, really stubborn uh, in high school and growing up. In that, I was in debate class, so I was just I wanted it was my way, and this is how it should go. My mom said I should be a car salesman. I was just so good at, at with my words and convincing and, and trying to be stubborn and staying in one position. But when I became a youth pastor, I, I had to change my mentality a little bit because uh, teenagers, it turns out, are just spastic, and they don't have really a rhyme or reason about them. They do whatever they want and when they want it on their time schedule. They they change their mind more than they change their clothes, and they should change their clothes more often. But seriously, like I had to I had to come to that place where I'm I'm going to be flexible. I'm just going to going to not bend and and I won't break. I'll, I won't get bent out of shape, right? And uh, I had to I had to had to be flexible with student ministry. Now, it's still always always an issue because I think the human heart, with its pride, has this, this desire to, to have its own way. And that creates stubbornness in us and uh, creates conflict uh, with, in relationships with people. Uh, obviously, spouses can have conflict if there's two people that are very stubborn in their ways. Uh, brothers and sisters can have that, parents and, parents and uh, children. Um, it goes on and on. Co-workers, stubbornness just can reign. So today, what I really want us to look at is this parable that Jesus talked about, uh, about stubbornness. And um, he said, people are stubborn to hear and to believe. And for you and I, as we look at this text today, it really is for you and I. And I want you to understand, there have been sermons, and I know I've, I've heard them, and I'm like, man, I hope the person next to me is listening to this. Are you listening to this? This is totally for you. But obviously, when we hear Scripture, when we read the Scripture, it is totally for us, right? Our own heart. So today, as we examine the Scripture, my, my prayer for you would be that, that you've, first of all, you've walked in the doors. Okay, congratulations. That is, has that is set your heart up to receive something from God. Now, you could walk in the doors and sit in that seat and be like, someone made me come here, I'll, I'll just, whatever, I'll just listen. And, and you won't get anything out of it. Now, I, I get that. That's a very strong potential that you, may, you might be here today. And not get a single thing out of this. But I want you to know that God wants you to get something out of this. God wants to take your heart and change it and conform it more into the image of the Son, Jesus Christ. So when you you and I walk in here, it sets us up up for a win already, but we still have to be motivated and ready to receive what God might have for us. As we look at the parable of the sower and the seed, um, there's there's four types of soil we're going to be looking at today. And that means there's four types of, of the human heart, four conditions of the heart. And, and you and I can see ourselves, I know you can see yourself and I can see myself in different positions, in different places in these in this text today. And now it's not only just for you and I to examine our hearts, but understand that this is just the, how the world operates. And as God sends us out, because we are his ambassadors, right, we should, if, if we are in Christ, if we are Christians or Christ followers, it is our job, our, our desire to go out and to share that faith with the world. But what you and I need to know is that the world is also operating in one of these four areas. And when we come to somebody and share, and share our faith with somebody who is absolutely closed off and rejecting, yeah, it says it right here that they'll do that. We'll see today in the text that, that hearts, hearts can be rejecting of the scriptures and rejecting of, of the gospel. It's our job to pray. It's our job to pray for people. right? Pray that God would till the soils of their heart. That he would have, he would have his way in their heart. That he would change them. God's like this big rototiller. He's, I'm just going to till the soil. Let's 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 get it conditioned. Let's get it ready so I can sow some seed. All right. So we're in Matthew and we're in chapter uh, 13. I, I want you to think about this too. I, I, I share I share stories often about my my family, about my daughter in particular, because she's at that age that everything is kind of. First with her, my son is kind of like, okay, we've seen that before. Bailey did that, but my daughter, I, I've been telling you, like, it's like, please just listen to me, daughter. Please listen to what I'm going to say, and it's hard, right? Children don't tend to want to listen to what their parents say; they do whatever they want. We've made some progress, though. It's really, really nice, it's, and I want to I want to share with you kind of how this looks because I think it's true of us as well. So my daughter, it would be in the in the past, it's been where I'd I'd approach her and and we'd begin, you know, my wife or I would say. This is what we'd like you to do, or this is what we'd like you to not do. We'd, we'd share our instruction with her. We'd talk to her about that, right? And, and she would just not want to listen. It, it would sound like wah, 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 wah. And, and it's, here's the difference I saw. What it is is she's hearing, but she's actually not listening. Now, I, I, I'm at fault in there too sometimes. we got to make sure that if there's an environment for her to actually listen. But when she, when she hears, she's actually not listening to what I'm saying. She just hears the wah, 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 wah. Right? So for you and I, we have to understand that's true of us as well. We can set ourselves up in a position or a place where, where we just hear what's going on. Wah, wah, you come to church, you sit down, it's, eh, wah, wah, you kind of get drowned it out, you're not hearing what's being said. And then what's really important is that we would listen with our hearts, from our hearts, to what God is presenting to us that we would change. So with my daughter and I, now what we do now is I say, Bailey, I, I just need you to listen to daddy. And she she'll go off, she'll freak out, right? It's it's kind of a freak out moment. No, no, I want to do my own thing. I want to no, no. Okay, Bailey, here's the new thing. Like, okay, we're gonna talk about it and then, or, or, or I want you to listen first and then we'll talk about it. We'll li- listen to what I said first and then we'll have a conversation. And it's going really, really well. She's starting to understand that. Like she, like, I'll, I'll ask her to do something, and she I know she was looking at me. And she'll freak out. She'll want to go some other direction, right? Or but about 25% of the time, because that's a win. One out of four is awesome. She'll, I'll say, okay, Bailey, let's just listen to what I say. And then we can have a conversation. Oh, okay. So she knows she's going to have to say something or talk. But now she's in a place where I can put that on hold. And I can hear and listen to my dad. And, and then we can have a conversation. And actually, I know she's listening because we have an actual conversation now about what I just said. Like, Thank you, thank you that you heard what I was saying. And not just want want, right? That she actually was listening to the content. So you and I are very, very similar in those ways with God, aren't we? We want our own way a lot. We want to do our own thing. We want to push our own agenda. And when God says something, or a person of God says something, or God's word says something to us, we're like, oh, we're kind of half listening. Oh, well, yeah, but I want to do this, and we kind of freak out. And God says, just let's not freak out. Just come I want to reel you in here. Sit you down. Let's let's listen first and then we can have a conversation about it. Let's talk about how we can change or what we need to do to grow. And that's what God wants to do. So today as you're here, I want you to understand that, that you're going to fall into one of these categories or you might bounce back and forth sometimes uh, depending on, on where you're at. But I, I really want you to understand that you're here. God has brought you here. God is wanting to till the soil of your heart to receive a message from him. That, and guess what? It might want you to change. I'm Sorry, but it might want you to change. God's word usually does that to me. So let's, let's just be receptive to that today. You know, and as he talks in this, it's a parable we're looking at. As he talks and speaks in this, uh, his disciples ask, why are you talking in parables? Because it's, here's, here's the answer. The short answer is this. Because I want people's hearts. I don't want the superficial. I don't want them just to receive the superficial and, and leave it there. I want them to understand from their heart. So they have to, in order to understand a parable, they've got to listen from their heart. And if they're not listening from their heart, they're not going to understand anyway. So it might as well just be we want, 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 want. So you and I, we need to understand to listen from our heart. Because God, with God, it's always a matter of the heart. So I told you to turn us to, to Matthew, right? We're Matthew chapter 13. We'll pray and we'll get started, okay? Father, it's great to be here today. It's great to be with the church family, God, worshiping you and, and celebrating Jesus. God, celebrating Jesus through baptism and through giving, through song, through prayer. God, as we gather, I pray that you would open our hearts, that you would be tilling the soil of our heart right now to be receptive and open to your Spirit's leading and prompting. That you would would show us truth from your Word, from your Scriptures today. That, God, you'd impart wisdom to us. God, you would challenge us and change us however we need to change. God, we are your people, and you are our God. We invite you to correct us, convict us of sin, and draw us closer to you. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so we're in Matthew chapter 13. We'll begin at verse 1, and we're going to read a a large, large portion of this text. But at the end, we're going to kind of go through the last portion of where he explains the parable. Okay, So chapter 13, beginning in verse 1. It says, On that day Jesus went out of the house and was sitting by the sea. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat down, while the whole crowd stood on the shore. Then he told, uh, told them many things in parables, saying, Consider the sower who went out to sow. As he was sowing, some seeds fell along the path, and the birds came and ate them up. Others fell on rocky ground where there wasn't much soil, and they sprang up quickly since the soil wasn't deep. But when the sun came up, uh, they were scorched, and sen- uh, since they had no root, they withered. Others fell among thorns, and the thorns came up and choked them. Still others fell on good ground and produced a crop. Some one hundred, some sixty, and some thirty times what was sown. Verse nine, very important. Anyone who has ears, should listen. Verse ten. When the disciples came up and asked him, "Why do you speak to them in parables?" So this is a private conversation now. Some might be close by, kind of overhearing, but this is a conversation to the disciples. He answered them. And this is a little more. This is a little more tricky to understand. Okay, just follow along. Then we're going to go into the explanation from Isaiah, okay? He answered them, Because the secrets of the kingdom of heaven have been given for you to know, but it has not been given to them. For whoever has more will be given to him, and he will have more than enough. But Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. For this reason, I speak to them in parables, because, because looking, they do not see, and hearing, they do not listen or understand. Okay, I know that's, that's deep, that's kind of confusing maybe a little bit, you can study that a little more on your own, get some in-depth study, but the, the crux of it is the next part. He really kind of explains it and expounds upon it in the next part, are you ready? So look at verse 14, Isaiah's prophecy is fulfilled in them, which says, so he's talking, Isaiah's talking about them, like why we we talking parables, you will listen and, and listen, but never understand And you will look and look, yet never perceive. For this people's heart has grown callous. See, there it is. It's about the callousness of the heart. And their ears are hard of hearing. And they have shut their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts and turn back. And I would cure them or I would heal them. You see, God God is ready. God wants them to understand and know him. But if they don't want to respond or be open to him and to hear him, they are not going to hear, and they are not going to be changed, and they are not going to be cured or healed. You see, God wants us from the depth of our heart to humble our heart and say, you know what, I need to get over myself. I need to set my agenda aside. Whatever I thought was true and right, I'll sit over here, and let me learn from God and be changed and challenged by God. Verse 16, but your eyes are blessed because they do see, and your ears because they do hear. For I assure you, many prophets and righteous people longed to see the things that you see, yet didn't see them. And to hear the things that you have heard, yet did not hear them. Okay, we'll stop there for a minute. We're going we're gonna to expound upon the next part of the passage from verses 18 through uh, 23. So we have this, this instruction from, from Jesus. Listen. Anyone who has ears should listen. And, and he goes in further than that. It's not just about the superficial, yeah, I hear you. It's actually the listening from the depth of our soul, it's listening from the depth of our heart. He said, you, you listen and listen yet you never understand, right? And, and you will look and look and never perceive, for these people's hearts have grown calloused. See, your, your heart and my heart can grow calloused. We can get to a place where our heart is so hard that we we don't hear from God anymore. We don't care even if we do hear, we don't care what He has to say for us. So for you and I, we have to check ourselves before before we just wreck it all. We need to check and see, what are my motives? Do I want to, do I want to look good? Do I want to look superficially like, yeah, I've, I've got it down, God. But see, every instance of that says God doesn't care. He's looking at the heart. He's looking at the heart. Anyone who has ears should listen. And this, this heart condition, we talk about the soil of the heart as he tills the soil. It's not like he went down to native grounds and he got this new batch of awesome, awesome soil with all kinds of good stuff in it and put it in place. He's dealing with the same heart. You and I have the same hearts. Amen? We are, we are just as wicked as everyone, anyone else in our heart. It's the same heart. What God wants to do is reach into our heart and, he, and as the Holy Spirit tills it and conditions it, it becomes receptive to his spirit, becomes receptive to the gospel, and, and, and we change from the inside. But it's not about composition because we're all made In the image of God, and the heart is is deceitful above all things and beyond a cure. All of us are in that that boat. It's not about the condition or the, the composition of the heart, it's about the condition of the heart. We need to condition our hearts to be ready and receptive. All right? So let's go into this text. We're going to look at four different types of people or soils, okay? The heart soils. Number one is this it's the unresponsive. The first type of soil is the unresponsive. Now again, it's really important that you and I right now just whew, dig, dig deep, come from your heart right here and say, I'm, I'm going to listen. I'm going to hear what God has to say. Because if you're in the unresponsive category, it's likely you may not even hear what I say next. Okay, And I, I don't want to be there. I don't want you to be there. I want us to glean from Jesus' words and what he says to us. Okay, So l- let's look at the text. We're looking at the unresponsive. in Verse 18, he's talking to his disciples. You then listen to the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word about the kingdom and doesn't understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. And this is the, uh, this is the one that was sown along the path. And in Luke, it talks about this, this, it's like a path that's, the seed is sown out there and, and people walk on it and trample the seed, right? Maybe you've been abused or broken or, or hurt in some way. It's just a bunch of scars and preventing your heart from being open. And then just because the seeds are lying out on the path, it says the birds come and take it off, off the path. So it can't it can't, get in there at all. Right? There's no hope for it at all. And, and so these people are unresponsive. This person is someone who doesn't understand. And it's not because, by the way, of the deficiency of, this, of the message. You know, it's not because they didn't have an most, a more eloquent speaker or pastor. It's not because they didn't have a better translation of scripture. The message was not deficient. The message was God's message, the gospel of their salvation, and it was sown to them. And it fell on a heart that was hard and calloused, and because it was hard and callous, Satan took that opportunity to grab it and to throw it out. They're unconcerned. These people are unconcerned with the things of God. Like, I don't want to talk about God. This is a waste of time. I don't want to be here. I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to think about the things of God. Spiritual things are not my worry. I am more concerned about the, the physical things that are going on in life right now. I have a job. I have bills. I have, I have kids. I have school. I have meetings. I have extracurricular. I could care less About spiritual things. This is that hard-hearted, unresponsive person. And they're resistant to anything spiritual. Their hearts have been pounded down by the world, and, and their heart has become impervious to the gospel message, impervious to conversation or any discussion about the things of God. And these they have no sense of guilt or shame about their life or about their, their position or standing with God. They haven't been able to see God for really, who He really is. Because we know when we see God for who He really is, we fall down on our face flat in shame. We say, woe. I told you this in the book of Isaiah. I love it. He, before Isaiah chapter 6, he's like, woe to you when you do this, woe to you when you do this, woe to you, woe to you. Then he sees God, and what does he say? Woe is me. Isaiah, the prophet, woe. I am ruined. I am dead meat. He understood the guilt and the shame that came along with sin. He understood just how separated he was from God. The unresponsive heart, the hard calloused heart doesn't care, doesn't know, doesn't understand that. I've had conversations with folks like this. I say, what what about sin? What do you think sin is? What do you mean sin? I'm just as good or bad as anybody in this world. We're all the same. I'm like, well, that's true, but we all need a Savior. There's a fix and a solution for it, and you're not it. People who are unresponsive put themselves on their own throne of their lives. They make themselves their own God. And when their hearts are calloused and hard, Satan uses a variety of ways and techniques to to rob them of the gospel. One of the things he does is he brings in false teachers. He's like, you don't want to listen to the pastor for sure. Don't Don't talk about Christianity. Don't talk about Jesus. But you go downtown and you listen to some other guru. They'll set you straight. Right? Wink, wink. And he'll bring in false teachers. Really, the scripture says that those kind of people will surround themselves with people who will tickle their ears, will say what their itching ears want to hear. They surround themselves with a support group that says, yeah, you are good. You're awesome. You're God. And that's what they do. So Satan uses false teachers. Satan uses fear. Oh, no. You don't, no, don't go over there. Don't talk about God. You might have to change something. Right? He, he might really be real, and then, then your whole life is a mess. It's all in shambles and, and we get afraid of that. I mean, pride is another thing he uses. And we talked about that earlier. Pride. Basically, I set myself up as God. I'm, I'm the most important. There's nothing else. There's no one else on the throne of my life except for me. So pride is is where I, I keep uh I keep my heart calloused. It could be doubt. Doubt in yourself, your own abilities, doubt in, in, the, in the message that is is presented. Satan says, No, are you sure? Well, how does Satan lie, right? His his first lie ever was what? Did God really say, causing doubt? Satan wants to da- make us doubt. He'll use stubbornness, right? We, we just say, you know what? I'm just so prideful. I'm, I'm, this is the way I am. I, this is how I'll die. Well, yeah, that's, that's too bad. Or we'll use procrastination, right? Has God ever used, or has Satan ever used procrastination in your life? I'll do it tomorrow. I'll change, I'll change later. You know, right now, in this season of my life, I'm, I'm enjoying it. It's all good. Once it gets hard and, and, and bad, then, yeah, then I'll go to God. But for now, Satan wants me to to procrastinate that, right? And and all these things keep their hearts at bay. And here's the counsel I would say. You have to get over yourself. You have to get over yourself. You have to humble yourself so you can hear from God. Because guess who's not God? You're not God. And I'm not God. Get over yourself. And now here's, here's what I understand. When I say that even, it almost sounds proud. And a person that's unresponsive can turn that right back around on me and say, get over yourself. Yeah, I, you're right. I guess I should get... Right? But here's the difference. And I talked about it d- during our baptism time. Here, here, yeah, I get it. You're unresponsive. All I know, and this is what you don't know, all I know is I once was dead and now I'm alive. I once had guilt and shame and now I have freedom and forgiveness. Amen to that, right? That's, that's where the hope is. So to the unresponsive, they don't have that. So for you and I, as, as those who have responded to Christ and let, let Him sow something inside of us and grow something into fruit, it's our responsibility not to go out and point out flaws and failures and say, get over yourself. It's to show, like, we, we have been convicted by God and He has made us get off the throne. And He has freed us and we have freedom in Christ. I was dead and now I'm alive. I have a hope that is, is beyond all understanding. And that's what they need to see and hear. I want you to think of your own unresponsive heart before you came to to know Christ. How many people, how many messages, how many songs, how many circumstances did God throw into your life that he used to till the soil of your heart to eventually be responsive? See, God is going to use you, he's going to use me in the lives of people because of what he's done in you and in me. He wants to show that off. But there are the unresponsive that have no sense of guilt, right? Right? Next thing is this, number two. Next soil, the shallow, the shallow soil. Let's look at verses 20 and 21. And the one sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but is short-lived. When pressure or persecution comes because of the word, immediately he stumbles. He stumbles. This is the shallow this person is, is not like the first one. This person offers no resistance. Yes, yes, I want that. I want to embrace that. I want to, that, is, that sounds amazing. And this person has this overwhelming emotional response to the gospel that they've heard. God's desire is that, that we would believe by faith the gospel. We would receive the gift of salvation and grace of Jesus Christ. But what leads us to that faith is really important. Your faith and my faith cannot be driven by emotions. You see, when someone is emotional and excited, it's all it is. It's emotions. It's feelings. I it feels good. It feels good to be in a church. I, I feel better about myself. I'm reading a, a book that's really good. I, I'm, I just feel good about me. That is not what the gospel says. The gospel says you and I should have every feeling against feeling good about me and only feel good in Christ Jesus alone. Amen? That only through Christ are we something. Because without Him, we are and can do nothing. We have to have Jesus. So this this shallow faith, it it emotionally says, yes, this will make me feel better about myself. It's almost like a self-help faith. We can't put emotions in front of our faith. We have to put the truth, the facts of Scripture, the facts of who Christ is in front instead. God will convince us through the Holy Spirit and through His Word what is true. And when we put what is true in front of our faith, it stabilizes us. It makes us understand that we are really separated from God without Christ. That we have a need for, for a righteousness, a purity that comes from someone besides me. Because my righteousness, my good deeds, is like filthy rags, is what Scripture says. And what I need is, is to be made clean and whole. and only That can only be done through Jesus Christ. And an emotional faith one that just wants to, make, wants to feel good can pretend for a long time. They can, they can look like the most solid follower of Christ. But as soon, it says they immediately respond, and then as soon as persecution or trial comes up, as soon as it gets difficult, what does Scripture say? They stumble and fall away. They have no roots. They have no solid foundation to be built on. My daughter has this little tree. for It's like a Tinkerbell tree. Fairy treehouse thing. You put on the on the table and, and you, you put dirt on the bottom and top because the roof, of course, should have grass and you, you plant the seeds in it and then you water the seeds and, and watch it sprout. And it was pretty amazing. Like, like, like okay, that's, that's not very deep dirt. I'm serious, that dirt was like that deep. Like, that's not very deep. Is that going to even root? Is that going to do anything? Oh, yeah, yeah, it'll, it'll do fine. Okay. So she plants the seeds and she waters it and the next day she waters it the next day she drowns it, right? And then we wait a couple days and then we start to see some life. It's by the window and it's catching some light and you start to see some things sprout. Like, oh wow, there's some, there's some green there. There's some growth. We're seeing evidence of, of life here. This is great. My, my kids are two and four, they like to run around and bounce off the walls. So naturally, the Tinkerbell Ferry Fort got bumped. And as soon as it got, it was just bumped, it was just jarred, right? As soon as it got bumped, guess what fell over? Every one of those sprouts fell over because it was that deep into the ground, into the dirt. If it was a deeper ground, the root would have went deeper. I mean, these things were like this tall. They were like that tall. See, we can show the evidence of, of growth. We can show the illusion of growth, right, in solid faith through our own lives. We can look like we, we've got some growth to us. We're doing good. But God knows better. He knows our heart. Scripture says as soon as trials come up, as soon as persecution comes up, guess what's going to happen? We are going to fall over. It's, the wind's going to like just blow us right over because we had nothing solid to grab onto. That's why it's so important to be together. That's why it's so important to, to not forsake the gathering together. That you and I would, would be together to spur each other on towards love and good deeds. That we would, we would be equipping each other and be an iron sharpening iron. That you and I would, would be strong in our faith. And when I'm not, you would be that, and that would supplement my faith. And then as we go, and as we, as we go into our community, we, we aren't going to be tossed about. We'll have a solid faith that goes, goes beyond those rocks. God, through Christ, wants to be that rototiller, tilling the soil of our hearts, getting rid of the rocks that's in there, to be ready and receptive, to, to take the seed of the gospel and to grow it and grow its roots down deep that we would grab on. That means we can't be led by our feelings and emotions. We've got to be led by the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The third soil, number three, is the distracted. The distracted. Now you think I'm talking to you, the distracted, right? You're like, oh, shoot, was I distracted? What was I doing? I, what, what's he saying? I know, I was, I've been there. I'm, I'm, whenever I'm not preaching, it's hard. i got to not be distracted. But it's not really so much about being distracted right now. as like, it's really being worried about the things in the world rather than the things of God. Okay, let's look at the Scripture in verse 22. Now the one sown among the thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the worries of this age and the seduction of wealth choke out the word and it becomes unfruitful. Unfruitful. I hear it, and it sounds good. and I may have a little bit of emotional response like the, the one before. But it, it sounds good to me only as long as it doesn't interrupt or disrupt, disrupt my life or my plan for my life. That's what happens here with the ones thrown among the thorns, the weeds. There, there's other things there that are taking your nourishment. There's other things there that are taking your affections. There's other things there that are drawing out what you need as far as the nourishment of the Word, and you and I have to get rid of them. We have to stop, we have to stop running to the idols And we have to run instead to Jesus. He has to be our nourishment. And if the cares and worries and the things in this world are are more satisfying to us, then we aren't being satisfied in Christ. And everything else is a God except for actually God being a God. Everything begins to own you. You know, there's a scripture that says we we, we can't serve both God and money, right? Right? We can't have two masters. Either we'll we'll serve the serve one and hate the other, or serve the other and hate the one. It's up to you and up to me. Who are we going to serve? Choose this day whom you will serve. Are you going to embrace all the things and the pleasures and the cares of the world, or are you going to let those go and say I need to embrace Jesus because only He is really satisfying? I want you to turn your your Bibles to First John chapter two. Keep your finger here in Matthew. First John is almost to the back, right? We have First, Second, Third John. Jude and then Revelation, the last book of the Bible. <clears> 1 <throat> John in chapter 2. It's a really really short book, so you might miss it, but just so go slow. 1 John chapter 2. It's after 2 Peter. 1 John chapter 2 will be in verses 15 through 17. How's your heart? You okay? It's tough sometimes going through this. It's tough. It's tough. It gives us heart pains, letting God analyze our heart. But it's for the better. 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 through 17 says this, Do not love the world or the things that belong to the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in him, because everything that belongs to the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride in one's lifestyle, is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world with its lusts is passing away, but the one who does God's will remains forever. God says that you've got got to choose. You got to choose you can not just be excited about the gospel and say, oh, that looks good, because here's what the, here's what happens. Those who are the distracted, they take on the gospel as almost a fashion statement. They take on uh, being a part of a church as, as a status thing, as an ego And this is not so much anymore. 20, 30, 40 years ago, this was definitely happening in in small communities especially. Well, where does that doctor go to church? Where does he go to church? Where do they go to church? Where do you go to church? And the people would come and be here for status. They had no depth. They had no no real relationship with Christ. They came here for a status because it fit with their lifestyle to have the 2.5 kids and the big house and the cars and the boats and, and that church. Today, culturally and statistically speaking, that is almost gone. There's, a lot, there's still a lot of it in the South. The South has a culture of that still happening. But here, people could care less about church. What statistics say today is, this doesn't benefit me at all. I don't, I'm not going to go. I don't need to go there for status, for sure. Now they go to other spiritualities for status. Now they go to other world religions for status or for, for uh, satisfaction. But not to Christianity, not to church. And, and part of me says, yay good. Now we can really, now we can get, the, get down and dirty the business, right? Now we can see who's really committed, who really wants to, to be here because of Jesus. But they're still out there waiting for you and I who have a legitimate faith to go out and share the depth of Christ with them, the hope of the gospel with them. Because right now they're distracted. The love of the world and being in Christ at the same time is not possible. We're either going to love the world or we're going to be in Christ and love Christ. If our faith is genuine, then we forsake the world. But if we are distracted, we embrace the world as more satisfying than Jesus. Finally, number four. This is a good one. This is is a good one, right? The good soil. It's, It's the receptive. Number four is the receptive. Verse 23. But the one sown on the good soil or good ground this is the one who hears and understands the word, who does bear fruit and yield some 100, some 60, some 30 times what was sown. Listen, it's, it's good soil. It's receptive soil because it was properly humbled and ready to receive the gospel when it appeared. This heart has understood sin understood the depth of the separation between them and God, and have humbled themselves, and as Matthew says, become poor in spirit and mourned over their sins so they might see the kingdom of God and be filled with His righteousness. They know that their only fill is through Jesus Christ alone. And that's, and that's what we teach and preach every moment of our day, that there's nowhere else that we should go. There's nowhere else that can satisfy. We have to, we have to stop trying to do this on our own. We have to stop trying to produce our own fruit. Listen, I don't want you to have Brandon fruit. I want you to have Jesus fruit. That's what I want you to have. I want you to embrace Jesus. I don't want to be so good that you're, that, oh, that, that looks fun. That, let's try that idea. Because that will, that will wither and go away as well. But Jesus never will. And if you're, if you're trying to embrace your own lifestyle, your own mentality, and like, I want to produce a good fruit, I'm going to be good enough. You can't be good enough. You are distracted. You are not receptive. Receptive means, God, empty me because I have nothing to give you. Empty me because all I need is all of you. And fill me up with you. And he will and he does. And in that, you and I find true happiness. In that, you and I find true blessing. In that, we find life instead of death. In that, we find freedom and forgiveness instead of guilt and shame. We're we're done in that text. Let's go to Psalm uh, chapter 1 just for the last passage. Psalm chapter 1, right about the middle of the Bible, right? Job, Psalms, Proverbs. Psalm chapter 1, 1 through 4. It says, How happy is the man who does not follow the advice of the wicked, or take the path of sinners, or join a group of of mockers. Now, listen. We could we could overanalyze and think every one of those is a is a soil that we just looked at. Maybe you can study that on your own. But every one of those, the wicked, right, the um, the sinners, the mockers, those people who are in those areas, maybe distracted, and maybe they're overwhelmed, maybe they're they're joyous at first, maybe they're calloused. But happy are those who don't follow those ways. Instead, in verse two, his delight is in the Lord's instruction, and he meditates on it day and night. He is like a tree planted beside streams of water that bears its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. And it's not because it's you. It's not because it's me. It's because we are planted there in Christ, being nourished by Christ, producing a fruit that is the fruit of God's Holy Spirit in us. It is not us. Not whatever we do prospers. Whatever we do as we obey, God does in us and we prosper because of him. The wicked, verse 4, are not like this. Instead, they are like chaff and the wind, that the wind blows away. You know, you and I can look at our lives and we need to look at our lives, but there are moments where we all are probably like those little sprouts in my daughter's little fairy fort. As soon as a little breeze or a little bump came, they just, they're gone. We need to dig down deep. We need to let Jesus dig down deep in our heart. We need to let Him humble us. We need to let Him rototill the soil of our hearts so we can be moldable. So He can, he can help us grow and produce a fruit that is not of us, a fruit, but a fruit that will last, and a fruit will, that will help us forsake the things of the world and say, you know what, I don't, I, don't, I don't care about those things. And a fruit that will help us, or a soil that will help us go deep in our faith. A soil that will bring us from life to death. So Christ's appeal to us today is to check the status of your heart and to yield to him in a way that would make, make him be able to plant some something that's going to grow, that's going to sprout and bring a fruit. It's going to be a new and living fruit that he wants to plant in us. Amen? All right, let's stand together and have prayer. Father, we are thankful to be here today. We're thankful for your grace. We're thankful so much for Jesus. God, this is not about us. You are all about us, but God, we we want to be all about you. We want to lift you up. We want to make you known. We want to let your glory be seen everywhere we go. So, God, I, I pray that you would continue to condition our hearts to be good soil that will be receptive to your truth and to your message, God, and that will grow the fruit that you want us to grow. That people would look at our lives and see the fruit of Jesus, and they'd be drawn to him. Help us analyze our hearts. to Figure out where we are and, how, and where you want to take us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.